Welcome. Welcome. Welcome <laughs> to our fucking nightmare. What's going on? Good morning. Good morning. It's very morning. Well, I mean, I woke up at like eight. That's your problem. Did my bathroom stuff, you know. I had a salad yesterday, so. Oh, lettuce. Lettuce. Lettuce will get you. Lettuce will get get me. And then I had um, other vegetables throughout the day, Bummer. so. It was a choice. Yeah. So I had a I had a morning. Okay. And then I, I made a shaken espresso. That's and nice. Bagel with cream cheese. I just sat and watched some TikToks. It was actually a pretty good morning. That's great. I yeah. woke up twenty minutes ago. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. This is thirty dirty and dying. We didn't say who we were. Oh, sorry. Or what we were doing. I'm Courtney. I'm Clarissa. And we're dying. We're in different stages of death today. Yep. Mine is the productive stage of death, apparently. Yeah, when you got to get your affairs in order. <laughs> and mine's the, like, hospice. <laughs> I laid down with no intention of getting back up. You know, I really wish I didn't. I just wish I could sleep all day. Oh, well, yeah, same. I'm probably going to go to bed when we're done. I did four shots of espresso in my coffee this morning. I thought you were just going to say you did that. <laughs> and I was like, and you drove here? Okay, this Whoa. is going to be fun. You want some bread or something to soak it up? I didn't take four shots. I took four shots of espresso in my shaken espresso that I made. And that's, it was delicious. That sounds lovely. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's, what, what's, that's what's going on today. <laughs> so what are we going to do today? We're going to talk. Yeah. Yep, that's what a podcast is all about. We tend to do that. We're going to go back in time. Yeah, we And we're that. going to talk about a subject. Podcast. Podcast. Wow. Wow. Um, so I said already, <laughs> I'm mentally ill, and I think that's why I don't sleep great. Um, and we talk about mental illness quite a bit, because it's we're both dealing with it, or mental health stuff, mm-hmm. know about illness. And uh, it's one of those things that, like we talk about a lot, it's changed a lot in our lifetime, like the perception of it. So we wanted to talk about that a little bit today. Like talk about some, some stigmas. Some stigmas, some things that have changed, some things we've heard growing up. And as millennials who were raised by boomers and Gen X, who, you know, no shade, you guys, but you do not have the best track record with mental health or talking about it. A lot of things. Mm. Same, <laughs> different problems. I found some articles. Did? Yep, about uh, stigmas, about mental health and stuff like that. So I th- I will talk facts and you will talk feelings. Wow, this has never happened. <laughs> it's in the opposite our entire life. Yeah, I'm always about feelings. And I'm always about facts because my feelings are scary. But we got to talk about those feelings sometimes. All right, doctor. I mean, that is my degree. Social work. You're not a doctor. No. But I'm oh. saying, like, counseling services oh, that's is right. a social Y'all work can thing. Do that. Anyways. Anyways, mental health, we have problems. <laughs> we have so many. So, this is gonna be one of those ones, like a real talk, a little bit of fact, a little bit of feeling. What our experiences have been like with the changing landscape of mental health as millennials who grew up with almost nothing and things are changing. So, we're gonna break it down. Break it, break it down. Break now. it down. But, you know, <laughs> you know what we gotta do first? Gotta go back in time. Hell yeah. Back in time. All right. We were in 2007. It's finally time. 007. We've done this year two other times. Yeah, but I don't think I said that. Well, I'm proud of you for doing it this time. Well, every time we've done a 2000 year, an early 2000s year, I've said double O whatever. And Uh then I've said not seven. 
That's true. You have. So now you can say double It's finally time. Did do you do you watch those movies? James Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, watch like as a regular verb in my life. No. Okay. I've seen several of them. I've seen the old Sean Connery ones. I've seen the Pierce Brosnan ones. I saw. I think I saw one of the Daniel Craig ones. What? Um, jo- Joshua. Joshua, my ex. Oh yeah. Sorry. Loves James Bond. You know, honestly, regularly, because I just relate it to Austin Powers. Yeah, because that's what I've watched. I kind of do too a little bit in the back of my mind. So like Goldfinger, that's one of the James Bond movies. Yeah. And then Goldmember is all I can think about. Yeah. Which is my favorite Austin Powers movie is Goldmember. I always think like the spy who shagged me is like what it's really called. And that's not Not, true. Not true. Um, I, I love Austin Powers. So you've seen James Bond movies though, right? A couple, but I could not tell you anything about them. Do you know what your favorite Bond guy is? Could not tell you. Okay. I like Pierce Brosnan. Whoever that is. Do you remember the uh, boyfriend in Mrs. Doubtfire? Yes. Him. I just watched that when I went over to my sister's house. For uh, the first time ever? No. Okay, good. We grew up watching it. Good. But like we actually like this past weekend. Watched it. Watched it. Okay. Yeah. I was about to get scared. No, I love, I quote it all the time. I know, but you quote a lot of things all the time that I'm not 100% sure you've seen. That's true. Some things are just ingrained in pop culture. Like, yeah. You don't really have to know what you're saying. It's true. But no, I've we grew up watching. Mrs. Doubtfire. Yes. A classic. Although I don't think Mike has ever seen it. Sometimes. He's also, he's never watched Back to the Future, I don't think. Anyways. 2007. 2007. Do what you remember- happened in 2007, Courtney? Let's, uh, the iPhone debuts in 2007, oh. which I feel like in the past I've talked about, but it's still Happy. crazy. I certainly didn't have one in 2007, I can tell you that. Neither did I. I didn't probably get one until I was in college, I don't think. Yep, so Apple CEO Steve Jobs, rest in peace. He's dead, right? Yeah, yes. he's, he's real dead. Uh, unveiled the company's first multimedia entertainment device that's equal parts phone, MP3 player, internet browser, and overpriced status symbol. I love that that. Well, that's what it was, especially then, because they were, like, so much more expensive and no one had one. Anna Nicole Smith died. Oh, you know what? I watched her, um, they made a documentary about her on Netflix Mm -hmm. recently, and I just watched it. And I forgot, like, how much I remember every single part of when she died. Because there was, like, a big trial after because of her, she had a baby, she, like, just had a baby. Mm. And there was, like, a paternity thing. Oh, shit. Because her, she had two kids, right? The baby that she had, like, the baby she just had. And she had a son, like, uh, who was, like, 20-something that she'd had when she was way younger. Yeah. And, uh, but he died, like, a week before she did or something. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Randomly. And then, and then she died. So, like, the only, uh, I don't know what you would call it, like, heir or whatever to her money mm-hmm. was this brand new baby. And no, and she had said that the father was this one guy, her, um, her, like, lawyer and really good friend. But it really wasn't. Ooh. And there was another guy who was like, no, that baby's mine. But they, she had the baby in the Bahamas. And the Bahamas, it's like whoever's on the birth certificate, legally the father. They, like, don't care. It's like they, they expect you to figure your shit out before it comes out. Okay. Which, you know, yeah. I can understand. Um, but he, he really, like, fought the, the real dad who ended up being, like... The actual father. Yeah. He fought to, like, get a paternity test and get everything changed because he wanted... I mean, he probably wanted the money, yeah, but he well. wanted his kid too he got her well that's good that a father actually wants her kid i know don't can't relate can't relate 
But yeah, I remember like so much about that trial. I didn't, and her death and everything that happened around it. I did not realize how like intense of a pop culture moment that was. Until you I, really like, love trials. I do, but it wasn't that. It was like. Just the whole thing. It was just, it just like consumed all media. Like it was everywhere you looked. Speaking of kids. Okay. Uh, Prince William and Harry hosted a tribute to. Oh, the concert Di- for Diana. Yep. They raised $2.4 million for charity. That's nice. She yeah. would have been proud. Yeah. Elton John was there probably, right? Uh, yeah, Elton John, Rod Stewart, and Kanye West. Yikes. That was... Some things don't age well. Um, Ten days after the film version of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix set an opening day record with $44.2 million. Oh, it's my least favorite of the movies. Uh, fans swarmed bookstores at the stroke of midnight to buy Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. That was me. That was Just you. a fucking nerd in Walden books inside the mall. I never did that. I did. I never, I never waited for anything like that. Like books, movies, anything. Because I worked at the movies when like big movies came out. So like I was there, but like not waiting. It wasn't 2007, but when the last Harry Potter movies were coming out, um, like Deathly Hallows 1 and 2, and two. but I don't know. Probably did it for both. Because like everybody had to work. Yes. Like you had to work. You called off, right? No, I didn't call off. I was like, I'll work. Until it starts. But I need to see this movie. And I told Lance, our manager, I was like, listen to me. I'll kill myself. <laughs> like, you've got, I'll do anything you want, but like, please. And he, I had to buy a ticket because you could, we couldn't use our free tickets for a premiere. Yeah, like but that. if you're working, you can just like stand and Not, watch. No, because he was, he was like, you have to buy a ticket. So I got one of my friends to go with me. So she could save you a seat. Yeah. So we bought two Because this was prior to, Having, like, a seat that you picked out beforehand. Yeah, which our like, theater never did that. No, we never had assigned seats. Yeah, you just had, like, a ticket and yep. good you just, luck. Yeah, which is why people, like, waited in line and, like, waited outside the yeah, theater so for that you hours. Could not have to, like... Be up front. Yeah. So, and the the front in those theaters were, like, really, really fucking bad. close. Yeah, like, in our, our theater, it was, like... Not You fine. might as well have been inside the screen. <laughs> It was bad. Yeah. Um, but so my friend um, and I would like go work and then I'd go over to her in line and be like, are you good? And she'd be like, I'm good. <laughs> and I'd be like, I'll be in once it starts and we get everything cleared up. And I was wearing my um, Gryffindor tie underneath my polo. And I tucked it into like to my I don't shirt. even remember that. No, you guys didn't know me that well yet. I don't think. Good, good for you. <laughs> uh, Lindsay Lohan got arrested. Oh, that's a bummer. She's having a baby. For cocaine possession and DUI. Good thing she doesn't have, didn't have a baby then. Very true. Um, um, it said, Tommy Lee and Kid Rock talked about their feelings. You don't, oh, do you not remember this? No. Okay, so Tommy Lee from Motley Crue, right? Yes. Big mm-hmm. dick drummer. Does he actually have a big dick? You don't know? No. Okay. Well, Are there he, pictures? There's video. <gasps> you don't know this? No. He was married to Pamela Anderson, yes. right? The Pamela uh, um, Anderson. A TV show came out with Sebastian Stan sure. was Tommy. I know. I saw it. But okay. I also knew but I haven't watched it. the real thing that happened okay. that, that is based on. Um, Sebastian Stan. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I did watch that show, some of it, but it I kind of hated it. Didn't do it justice. No, I'm sure it did, but it just felt, it started to feel real, like, exploitative oh. at a certain point that, like, too much. It just, I don't know. Anyways- they were married, him and Pam Anderson. Um, this was in the 90s, so this was not the age of the internet yet. They had a sex tape that they just made for, for themselves, right? Cool. And it was in, it was literally on a tape. Uh-huh. And it was in a safe in their house. 
and a guy who was working at their house stole that safe because he was mad at them. He found the tape and he distributed it. And it was like the first sex tape that went out on the internet also. <gasps> Whoa. It was all illegally distributed. They didn't sign off on it. They didn't, you know, it was, it was really terrible, really a terrible thing. But we did get to see Tommy and it's real big. Good for him. But he was married to Pam Anderson. They obviously got divorced and stuff. And then she was also married to Kid Rock. What? Yeah. She was married to Kid Rock in the early 2000s. Obviously, I mean, this was 2007. I don't remember exactly when. They weren't married for very long. Um, And there was a fight at the VMAs. Yes. It said during Alicia Keys' performance. Yes. They, I don't really know what happened. It was like one of them was walking past the other one. And so, I don't know. One of them probably said some stupid stuff. My money's on Kid Rock just because he seems like a moron. Yeah. Like, Tommy Lee doesn't seem like the best, but but I don't know. My money's on Kid Rock. And then they fought. Uh, uh, Drew Carey took over hosting for The Price is Right. Oh, spay and neuter your pets, y'all. Yeah, but Bob Barker was just classic. He made me uncomfortable. Really? Yeah. Oh, I watched, whenever I was, you know, homesick. Oh, I watched it a lot. Don't Always. Get me wrong, but it, he made me a little uncomfortable. Miley Cyrus, Best of Both Worlds tour. In oh, which yeah. she performed as both herself and her Disney alter ego, Hannah Montana. Which, let me just say... With the whole Taylor Swift eras tour. Oh. Like, we we need a Miley Cyrus eras tour. Like, from the moment, like, she, like she can start off in her, like, Hannah Montana wig, right? Just and then she pulls, the just, yes. Oh, I love the climb. That's a nice song. And, and then she just, like, goes through, like, her entire era of music. And now she's, like, her, like, nice, cool rock with her, like, raspy voice. Like, go from beginning to end. Like, I need a Miley Cyrus eras tour. Do you think Robin Thicke will be there? I can only hope. Blurred lines. <laughs> I just, I want that. Will I be able to afford a ticket? Probably not. No. But I want to experience it the way that Taylor Swift fans experience their Ares tour. I want to have my Miley Cyrus Ares tour. I mean, that's fun. I love Miley Cyrus. I do too. I like her a lot now, especially I really like her, what I believe is her real voice. Yeah. Do you want to know some songs that came out? Please. Thanks for the memories. Murmurs. Murmurs. I fall off. I love fall off with some. Have you listened to the We Didn't Start the Fire? Yes. Isn't Does it, it make you sad? No. Oh. I mean, yes. But also it makes me like feel like I could kick a door in. Pumps me up to be sad. I love it so much. I've listened to it like we 500 times. We didn't start times. the fire. Ba, da, 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 I love it so much. I think it's the best cover I've heard in a long time. I almost crashed my car listening to it. That would have been bad. Yeah, there would have been fire. Mm. But, and you started it. Yep. Um, I started my car fire. Hell yeah. <laughs> Crank that, Soldier Boy. You. <laughs> that song do, was huge. Do, do, Soldier Boy, tell him. Uh, Umbrella by Rihanna. Ella, 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 Ella. Was that when Rihanna like first started? No, no. This was, I think this was after. I think because when she first started, it was like Ponder Replay. Oh, SOS. yeah. I think this, this I was like... I must have DJ some Ponder Replay. This was like Don't Stop the Music and um, Shut Up and Drive. All and of her songs are bangers. Yeah. I don't think there's ever been a bad Rihanna I don't song. think there has ever been a bad ever. Rihanna song. What's your favorite? It I can't. have to be a 2007. I don't know. I think mine's I can't Disturbia. Tell my head. Ooh, I, I do love, love Disturbia. Disturbia. I like the vibe. You can't um, ask me what my favorite song is because I don't remember any of them at this point. Point in time. Oh, that song "Beautiful Girls" by Sean Kingston. Where uh, he says suicidal in falsetto. Yeah, suicidal. Yeah, suicidal. What an interesting way to write a song. Your way to beautiful girl. There you go. 
Yeah, I listened to that on repeat during the summer. Really? Yeah, I think it came out around the summertime. Probably did. He was on a water ski. Interesting. I think, or jet ski. Jet ski. Oh, okay. I don't think he was water skiing. That would have been difficult. For his size? No, just to do a oh. music video while you're water skiing. That's true. But, but he's he also be- a bigger dude. Oh, was he? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I don't really remember Am I him. crazy? Am I just I like- I mean, mental health. Is that our segue? <laughs> Hey everyone, it's Tyler Witkowski, the publisher at Tea with Coffee Media. Tea with Coffee Media is a team of indie authors, designers, and editors who have a goal of helping indie authors make their dreams become a reality. Our Modest Press has aspirations to help as many indie authors succeed as possible. Not only do we offer publishing services, and yes, we are open for submissions, but we offer editing, marketing, and book cover design services at an affordable price to all indie authors. Visit us online at teawithcoffee.media to learn more about our services. Mental health. Let's get this Let's party started. Let's go. Get out your Zoloft, ladies and gents and non-binary friends. Never been on medicine like that. Me neither, actually. Oh. Probably should have been, but I have not. Hmm. I, I've always done other therapies and they've, for some reason, been like, you're fine. Sure. Are you sure about that? Are you sure about that? Are you sure about that? No. I mean, I'm sure TikTok I've never reference. been on. No, I know. I, but some listeners may not know that. They might not be hardcore on TikTok like we are. Mm, I, like I'm, I am. You are. <laughs> I don't think I'm hardcore <laughs> on TikTok. I do the bare minimum and I do what we need to do for the podcast, a lot of it. But also, like, there, most weekends I'm not really on TikTok. I'm and always then on I TikTok. open it and I have 45 new messages from you. <laughs> And maybe like two from other people. And that's it. It's just like. So today we said we're talking about like stigma mm-hmm. and sort of some preconceived notions and just kind of like how that's changed, how we've experienced it. We're going to spit some facts. We're going to spit some feelings. You're going to spit some feelings. You, you can spit some feelings. I don't have a lot of feelings. Well, I know, but you're somebody who's dealing with mental health stuff now. You say how it's- I'm not dealing with it. Okay. who It's dealing with you. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little different. Like, I'm not viewing it as a, in a stigma standpoint. Probably not consciously, but there might be things that... Oh, I'm open. I'll be open about it. I don't give a fuck. All right, cool. Well, we'll talk about it. So where do we want to start? Um, The first little in my research yeah. talks about understanding the family's role okay. in mental health, which that can be a big thing if your family's not hand- dealing with it you're not necessarily going yeah. to deal with it. I feel it. like that's something a lot of, especially like millennials and, and probably Gen Z too, can, you know, relate to that impacting your view of it. Because yeah. like, grew up with boomers and Gen X as our parents and caretakers, and it, they didn't do a great job with the mental health stuff in a general. I mean, I'm sure there are people out there, if there's like one Gen X or boomer person listening, who's like, I'm going to with therapy every week. Congratulations, Carol. But your general team, like now it's so commonplace to hear like, oh yeah, I'm going to therapy. Oh yeah, I'm good. Never. I never heard yeah. that kind of stuff growing up. No. Uh, and I think most of us didn't. So Should like, my mom have went to therapy? Probably. Probably. But she also could have, you know, gone to like AA or something. Yeah, yeah. But well, that wasn't something that she could do or was aware of, I guess. Uh, maybe, yeah. It's hard to say if it's like awareness or I think like. I know, like, you know, my dad was also an addict, but he was, like, the concept of going and getting help was so, like, taboo for him. He It was, like, the most ridiculous thing you could ever say to him. 
was like to go either to a therapist or to like an AA or an NA kind of meeting. Um, and I, a part of that was probably because he was a man. Yeah. You know, there's a different perspective. Men don't want to be wimps. Yeah. They don't need any help. I'm fine. Opposite of fine. Is there like, um, statistics on suicide rates versus men and women? I feel like yeah, it's more men. It is. Statistically. I do know that there, it is. Because they, they don't deal with their feelings the way that women do. Yeah. Because there's so much, there is that like the toxic masculinity mm-hmm. thing that really does affect men a lot about how they view themselves and what it means to like be a man and be masculine and i think a lot of them feel like they can't get it, especially back then yes it was like my dad was, a, it was, an, it was a man from like the part of appalachia the rate of suicide is highest in middle-aged white men this is according to the american foundation for suicide prevention so middle-aged white men in 2021 men died by suicide 3.9 times more than women wow like they grow, they grew up thinking, "I have to be the man of the house. I have to provide. I have to do this. I have to yeah. be strong. Boys I have to cry. like take care of everything." Yeah. And then if they're not meeting the standard that they were told they have to, they can't deal with that. Yeah, they can't get help. They, they can't get help. They just have to. And they're suffer through in this and not talking about it. Yeah. And a lot of self medication yeah. too which i think is where addiction comes in a lot like I, I i think that was at least part of my family's experience was like there was a lot of self medication going on with things like alcohol and drugs and and other things too but those are really those are bangers yeah but yeah we didn't i mean it was just the most ridiculous thing in the world for for us to say that to him and also quite frankly i remember thinking it was the most ridiculous thing in the world too as a kid like my mom used to try to get me to go to Al-Anon, which is, um, it's, it's like AA, mm-hmm. but it's for people who have family members who are affected by addiction. It's like a support group for the people dealing with addicts. Oh, and that would have been nice. Yeah, I'm sure it would have been nice, but she kept trying to get me to go to Al-Anon. I was just like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. No, but part of the reason I think I thought it was so ridiculous was because there was a lot of stigma around addiction stuff, some of the other stuff, things we were feeling, things that were going on. It was so private. It was like, you can't tell anyone about that. That's private. No one needs to know. There was a lot of shame around it. Yeah. So I thought it was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever heard to say, don't tell anyone that you actually know, love, and trust what's happening, but go tell a room full of fucking strangers. Yeah. It was like, that doesn't make any sense. No, I'm not going to do that. What do you want me to say? Hi, my name's Jenny. I'm, everything's fine. (laughs) I'm from the block. Yeah, I'm from the block. Everything's fine. I don't know. I, I don't know why I'm here. I thought it was a Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> what do you want me to say? What am I going to get out of it? Like, yeah. But that's how it was such a like people, I think, were starting to open up to like maybe things will, maybe there are things that, you know, we need help for, but there was still a lot of resistance from like who we grew up with to actually getting that help in a, you know, productive way. Yeah. It's funny. It's not funny. It's funny that you say that. <laughs> ha ha. It's funny. Um, No, in this article, it says that family members may internalize public stigma and blame themselves. Mm -hmm. This can lead to social isolation and resistance to help to reaching out for help. Yeah, which I think we can all, I mean, even if you you didn't have people who were addicts, like, there's still a part of that. Like, if you feel like there's something wrong, but you'll be more judged if you say what's wrong, you're not going to say what's wrong. Yeah. And then as kids, we saw our parents and our, our, like, loved ones doing that. So we did it too. I think I, you know, I think we all have a, 
a complicated relationship with being open and honest about mental health. I mean, I still do. And I've had to, I've had no choice. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't. It's not like my family didn't talk about it because there is a stigma. It's just, we just didn't talk. What, but that at all, yeah. not, not because of that reason, but just like, I, I, I just don't know. Like, I mean, I do know that my grandma had depression mm-hmm. and she got medicine for it. Like she did reach out and got help and, and we talked about that, but okay. that's about it. When you say you talked about it, did you just talk about the fact like, okay, yeah, I take this medication and-, and Cause like, I'm depressed. Yeah. But was there conversation about like, this is how I knew, this is how it feels for me. None of that, right? No, girl, we didn't talk about our feelings. But like, yeah. So even though you had like some exposure to like depression's a thing, some people need medication for it. There was no real context. No. Right? Yeah. I feel like- I mean, I guess it could be, um, I, I understood it to be because of- how she grew up and and she's dealing with a lot. Um, really brought her down. Yeah, I mean, and she was going through an awful. Yeah, lot and stuff. she had to take care of her grandchildren. You know, there's yeah. a lot going on, and I understood that to make that made sense to me. Yeah, like okay, yeah, you're going through a lot. You're depressed, and you're taking medicine. I'm curious, like, did you think about depression or or mental health stuff in that scope as like just something that happens when bad things happen? Yeah, like just like bad things happen. Yeah. See, and that's, I always thought about that too, but it's like, it's so much deeper than that. Because mm-hmm. there could be people who have bad things happen who don't get quote unquote depressed. Yeah. Well, for the most like, part in my entire childhood, I was fine. And some kids are fine and some yeah. kids are not, are fine. not fine. Hi, <laughs> I was not fine. But that's the thing. With and hi, I was just, just dandy. peachy. Just peachy. Just, just living it. my life. And that's great for you. Yeah. I'm good so for, good for past me, right? Yeah. Congrats. <laughs> um, now I'm just like, I'll ah. say I was better. You know, I was better off. It wasn't, but he's, I don't even know if it was better. This is the thing that makes it so interesting about growing up in that phase of uh-huh. like, you can't talk about it and mental health wasn't really a thing. Like other than the movie Sybil, it's a great movie. Yeah. But when people thought of I watched like, it at school. Whoa. Why? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I watched that oh. in psychology. Okay. That makes sense. I thought you meant like third grade. Oh, no, 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 no. High school. Okay. But like when you heard like mental illness or mental health, it was like scary weird movies and stuff it wasn't like real people going through real things so i think like oh i was fine and i was better but like there were a lot of things that were i was clearly not a hundred percent but i'd never even thought of them as like mental illness or mental health yeah symptoms but i don't think anybody else around me did either i don't think my mom did my mom carded me to the doctor 24 7 for for physical things physical things because you kept breaking things yeah i just i was broken Came out damaged. But mm-hmm. also the things that were like, she's a little weird. That that kid's a little weird. No, it's fine. I was just quirky. I was different. You I was hate whatever. that word. I hate that word. Here's maybe why. But no, it was just like, it was such an interesting juxtaposition. The medical side of things and the mental health side of things just never like found cohesion. Yeah. Hey, thanks for listening to 30 Dirty and Dying, the show for millennials by millennials. We get real about chronic illness, burnout, nostalgia, and why we aren't exactly thriving. If that sounds like you, join us every Thursday for new episodes. Now, back to the show. I can say, as somebody who grew up, um, I grew up in a religious home and around a lot of religious people, and it's... It's shame. It's the shame. The shame. The shame and the... I cannot tell you how many times, even to this day, uh, and you know, like... It is what it is, but I cannot tell you how many times I have said something 
trying to be a little bit transparent Mm -hmm. about and heard pray about it or, well, if you would just pray and believe God for healing, it'll be okay, you know, Mm -hmm. or got a, got some scripture thrown at me. Um, and I'm just, I'm not, I think it's great if you have a religion and a faith and a relationship with whoever and whatever your God is, and that's good for you. And if that helps you, that's fantastic. And I'm so happy, but also like that isn't for everyone and all, and more importantly, it's not really a fix all, right? You know what I mean? Like there, I know some people who are very religious and very comfortable and, and, uh, secure in their religion and rely on it a lot in their life who still deal with stuff. Yeah. Like, and there has been a lot of shame and, uh, within the church mm-hmm. as a whole institution against, um, things like mental health. And we were and talking, Christi- we we're talking, Christian I'm talking church. about Christianity. I was raised in a, in a Christian, a Judeo Christian kind of, kind of way. And particularly like in an evangelical setting. And uh, this is where I heard a lot of that stuff. And it was like, if you were having a problem, first of all, there was a lot of stigma to even talk about it because then it's like, what, you're not grateful. You're not, you're not praying hard enough. You're not believing God hard enough. And even if you did talk about it, what, you just put it on a prayer request card. Yeah. And then it's supposed to be good. You're all done. I don't know. And then there's also a lot of, a lot of narrative and, the church, quote unquote, around things like suicide and medication and things that are everyday realities for people who are mentally ill. And sometimes it just feels like the two struggle to coexist. Mm -hmm. And I've certainly felt that. I'm not saying it's why I'm not religious, but it does not help. Because every time I've ever like, again, tried to be that person. Yeah. Or like, or like even be open to, okay, sure. Like, yeah, I, I can pray. I can do these things. But there's something else going on mm-hmm. that doesn't help, you know? And also, I I personally, now that I'm going through therapy right now for my OCD, which I just got diagnosed with, religion really did a number on me and some of my compulsive behaviors that I did not really put two and two together until very recently. So I think if you hammer it too much, it can really have the opposite effect. It can make your mental health worse. worse. Uh, I'm not saying it always will, but there has to be a balance, right? There's got to be balance. You can't just, you know, throw the Bible at me and, and expect it to have healed. Be- yeah. Oh, thou shalt be healed. Thou shalt be healed. <laughs> I, I dipped out. But and here's the thing too, like the, it, with mental health, there's like actual scientific imbalances yeah. that cannot be healed by prayer. Right. And again, I'm not saying it like can't now, help, and if it helps you, that's great. fantastic. But also- but like, Sometimes you need medicine. Sometimes you need more than just um, the help you need. You might need someone who's an expert in this field and not just like Pastor Dave. Pastor Dave might not be able to do. I'm not saying you can't lean on like your spiritual community for help and support, but you should be able to get support from them and get real unadulterated support from them and not just, well, have you tried this? Have you tried this? I think that might be the, and, and this goes beyond religion, but religion has been a big part of it for me personally. I think that might be one of the the most annoying and problematic things for that I've dealt with personally in terms of stigma mm-hmm. is telling someone finally mustering up the courage to tell someone how you're feeling or be honest about what you're going through and getting just a barrage of like 
Have you tried this? Have you tried this? I I snort essential lavender oil every day and I feel great. I go for a walk in the sun every day and I'm I've never been happier. I you know Have I you pray. tried drinking green tea? Yeah, I drink green tea and I read um Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I'm bitching. You should try it. The fact that you think I haven't tried almost anything and everything, great. The fact that you don't understand and don't want to understand that sometimes it's so low, I couldn't try stuff if I wanted to. Because people, people don't know. Sad and being depressed. And being depressed or being manic. or There's a difference between being a little nervous and, and being, being anxious. Anxious, anxiety, manic. There's, there are a lot of differences. There's a difference between saying like, oh my God, I just like love my color-coded folders. I'm so OCD. And not being able to leave the house if you don't turn something on and off a hundred times because you think your whole family will die. It's not, it's not just like a fun, cute quirk. It's not just something that is that simple. And I think that people try to make it very simple and just want to give you suggestions like they can fix you. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you can't try to support someone and offer suggestions, but like time and place. Yeah. And people just, I think, I think, and I don't know, you can tell me if you agree or disagree in your own experience, but like, I think it's because people are so uncomfortable with these conversations that when you are honest and you say, this is what I'm going through, they're just finding, trying to find a way for it to be over, to end the conversation. Maybe not even they're uncomfortable, but they just, they literally cannot understand. Exactly. And because they, trying, if you can't experience it, you can't understand it, you can't help. Yeah. And that's how it feels. But instead of trying and listening and trying to like bridge that gap, we just have to end this. There's this level of discomfort mm-hmm. you see with people or I have. Like, don't bring me down if you're that down. Yeah. And also, I don't I don't know how to talk about this. This feels weird. Like, oh, are you crazy? Are you are you going to bark like a dog and lick your own knees or something? What's going to happen? I can't even reach my own knees. <laughs> <laughs> that's sad. <laughs> I don't know. I Just somebody who has had mental health things and has been very affected by the stigma mm-hmm. and the shame of it when it comes to being honest about it. You can really see... Just in people's mannerisms, how deep that stigma is mm-hmm. ingrained in a lot Without of even them realizing. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Because they can be like, oh yeah, I'm open. You can talk to me about anything. And, and then, then when it do. gets down to it, they're like. Or there's well. a very like surface. I think, I think like a lot of mental health stigma is getting better. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. Right. But I do think there's this level of like, there's like the socially acceptable level of talking about mental health and mental illness. Like the kind that's sexy. And then just, I'm going somewhere with it. It's okay. like sexy and acceptable. And there's the kind that's not, right? So if I say to someone like, I have issues with depressive episodes. I have anxiety. Those are becoming pretty commonplace. People mm-hmm. feel okay talking about them. But still on a very superficial level, right? Whereas I have to tell someone, if I get, if I mention that I have trichotillomania, that's not hot. Let's not talk that. That's because it's, it's a bigger gap for someone to bridge Mm -hmm. and and it i think it scares people a little bit it's good that there's been this breaking of stigma but also it's been for a very sanitized version of mental health i'm not saying it's all bad it's it's certainly not getting it's it has to start small yeah before before it can go all the way yeah like you have to like start it's starting somewhere which is good and important but it's not where it needs to be yeah, which um, I, I don't think is necessarily bad, but I do wish there would just be more of an openness so that people can feel more comfortable talking, talking about, about it. it. But I would like to not feel like if someone finds out certain things, 
that like cloud and cloak of shame and self-loathing mm-hmm. and oh my God, I have to hide all the time. Cause that's exhausting. It's exhausting to feel like there are so many things happening in your life that if someone ever found out, it would be awful. There, uh, in another article. Yeah. Um, there's a whole like few harmful effects of stigma, which you've kind of started talking about. Yeah. So feeling shame, hopelessness, and isolation, reluctance to ask for help or get treatment. Yeah. Lack of understanding by family, friends, and others, mm-hmm. uh, fewer opportunities for employment, uh, or social interaction. Yeah. Bullying, physical violence or harassment, self doubt. Yeah. The belief that you will never overcome your illness and be able to achieve what you want in life. Yeah. That's something I have found myself, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, just feeling like, man, I'm never going to be fucking okay. I'm never Which is exhausting. It's exhausting. And it brings you down more. Yeah, and it makes you he- hesitant to do certain things or even to feel joy about certain things because you're like, it's I'm never going to be able to be all right. I'm never going to be able to do these things without feeling not the same as everybody else. and I Or judged. Th- yeah, and also like there are things that if you have a condition, it's just like, a physician. Sometimes there are things I'm not going to say you can't do, but that take a, another level of accommodation for you to do. Or you might be have to go through differently because of how your mind works and, and what your illnesses are. And there's such this feeling of like, if I can't just assimilate to what everyone else is doing and how everyone else is doing it and seemingly feeling about it, there's something wrong with me mm-hmm. and I shouldn't even do it. And that has, I think that affects a lot of people. It's certainly affected me. And it, it's a hard thing to try and get past. And I don't know if you ever really get past it, but it's like the more resources you have and the more support you have, the easier it is to at least try to. Right. You're listening to 30, Dirty, and Dying. If you're in your late 20s and your early 30s and don't quite feel like an adult, but you certainly don't feel like a kid anymore, you may have found the right podcast. Every week we wade through our own existential crisis and figure out what life is supposed to look like on this side of 30 and relive some of our favorite memories from years gone by. We'd love to have you along for the ride, so make sure you follow and find us on social media at 30DirtyAndDying to keep up with what we're doing next. As somebody who's recently dealing with some mental health... Feelings. Feelings, (laughs) yeah, you're dealing with some feelings... How do you think that, you know, all the things we've talked about and, and the things that you've grown up with or not not dealt with before, when these feelings started to come on, what were your first kind of thoughts and how have you kind of walked through it? Um, I mean, I've always really been an open person. I've never really cared what people yeah. thought. Yeah. I mean, same. So I deep. Yeah. I mean, I've I mean, I've been open about it. I haven't just like kind of held it in or yeah. anything like that. So I don't think. I, I'm not worried about this. Well, see, like, and here's the thing too. Like, it's not like my mental health is significant compared to like, say like all the stuff that you're dealing with. Yeah. There's a lot of stigma on, um, the level that it's at compared to like, I don't feel like I can compare to that. But see, I almost feel like the, the urge to compare is part of that stigma. Because it's like, well, it can't be, it's not that bad. Yeah. I don't want to kill myself. I don't, well. (laughs) But like, I do think people do that. Like, either, oh, you don't have it that bad. Or sometimes I'm happy. Or I've not always been like this. You caught me in a stigma. I think I caught you in a stigma. Because I remember saying that same shit. Like, Yeah, like, it's it's not not that that bad. bad. 
It's not that bad. Everybody I don't, I don't, has stuff. Yeah. It's no big deal. You should be grateful that it's not that bad. But then it's like, I think that can make people hesitant to get help. Yeah. Or to accept that, hey, maybe the feelings that I'm dealing with are to do with my, like, mental health mm-hmm. and not just, like, a bad couple days. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's there is that yeah. comparison that I see a lot. The, the only reason I'm not going to get help is because my physical health is more important to me. Yeah. Like... I, I can only spend the money that I have on my infusions, which costs, cost me $20,000 every eight weeks. Yep. So like, I can't afford to well, go to therapy. Too. Yeah. I mean, we've had to, we've had to do that. I've had to budget it. I literally had a conversation with my therapist the other day about like, let's push out the next appointment so that it's not too financially taxing. Cause I'm, I'm, there's a lot happening financially right now. Yeah. I'm buying a house. There's a lot happening. So it's. I think that also contributes to like a stigma or a, a hesitance to accept that there's something you could need help with. Yeah. And going and getting it because I can't afford to it get it. It seems help. like a luxury. Yeah. It feels like a luxury. I remember growing up and watching things about like therapy and, and seeing therapy in, in media and whatever. And it was always like rich white people who were like, My gardener was late and I'm sad. Or yeah. Tony Soprano. This very elevated thing of like it just didn't seem accessible Mm -hmm. it didn't seem like something everyday people did and that's changing and that's really good but some of the systems that we have in place yeah the perspectives are changing on it but the actual avenue for people to get help in real life aren't changing that much yeah do i want to go to therapy yeah yeah i would love to i just can't afford it yeah i feel like a lot of people are in that boat i've certainly been in that boat because i feel like there's there's more things that like I'm kind of figuring out myself that I probably need help with. Yeah. So like you had talked about um, different OCD things that like you have to handle. And now that I'm like, I'm looking back on like there, there were, there are times where I'm in my car ready to leave, but I have to go back into the house to check something. Yeah. Because I'm just like, I, I cannot move until I double check to make sure that what I think is there is there. Yeah. I, when I lock my door, I have to pull the handle to make sure it is locked. Yeah. And if I walk away, I have to go back. Yep. So like, it's just like little, little things, things like that, that I don't think about. Yeah. But like when you're talking about, I was like, hmm, I actually kind of well, do these things. And it's not to say that everybody who does those things has something like OCD or no. disorder. However, it's not to say you don't either. And the only way to really figure that out. Is if I go is with seek help. help and with a professional. <laughs> Like there, I can't tell you how long OCD is. I just recently, like I said, in the last couple of months got diagnosed with it. And I think it was the one that I was the most like, I don't want to go to therapy for this. I don't want to get help for this because I had tried so hard to convince myself that it was just like, everybody does these things. It's normal to have a routine. It's normal to have, it's okay. It's not that big of a deal. They're just little things I do. But then at some point it starts to affect your day-to-day life mm-hmm. and it starts to really have an impact. And I had to, I had to get really honest with myself and be like, this is, this is negatively affecting my life an awful lot. Mm-hmm. But getting there is difficult because it's like, I don't know, even though I've been to therapy, I've had diagnoses, I've had these things. There is this little bit of like, I feel ashamed that I can't figure this shit out by myself, that I can't just deal with it mm-hmm. and be fine and be better. Like, even now, I'll go to therapy. Have you tried watching a comedy and laughing? (laughs) Of adults with serious mental illness, 57% of those under the age of 25 did not get any treatment. 
Yeah. Of those ages 26 to 49, 40% had no treatment. No, I mean, I, I wish I could say those kind of statistics surprised me. It does. And then the media. Yeah. Um, common betrayals of people with mental illness. Uh, not great. Being homicidal, extremely dangerous, psychopaths, maniacs. Yeah. Being responsible for their illness or behaviors related to their illness. Yeah, like um, the first times I heard of like people who were like mentally ill were the synonym for that was like they were disturbed. Yeah. Um, like down with the sickness. And I think of like, like Sybil, like, um, all episodes of Criminal Mind. Ev- yeah, they're all, every single they're episode. all mentally ill and that's the problem. Um, they had a bad childhood. Yeah. Hannibal Lecter. Everybody's like, he's, he's a sociopath. He's mentally ill. Not all of it. I, I don't know anyone who eats people. Personally, I know no one who has ever been like, I have the hankering for hands. <laughs> Yes. Specifically the phalanges. Yes. Yeah, just that. But like, it's like violent, unhinged criminals. Yeah. And that's just so far not a thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I'm not saying that that doesn't exist and that it, it can't happen. But the statistics are so low. Most people who are dealing with mental health and mental illness issues are going to hurt other people. That's That's such a rare thing to do. It's so internal, but I think part of the reason it's so internal is because it's hard to talk about. It's hard to seek help. I mean, I literally remember the first time I went to therapy getting, you know, after I got a PTSD diagnosis, which I was very struggled to accept. And even a lot of the people I was with and around me at the time struggled to accept it. And I remember though, the first couple, okay, where I went to therapy, you know, I lived in my, I was in college. And it was in this building downtown and I would go, I made sure I made my appointments at like times that I didn't think anyone would see me and they were hard appointments to get to. And also I'll never forget this one time I was walking into the building and I saw a couple of dudes that I knew from school and I dove and hid behind a car so they wouldn't see me going into the, the office and they wouldn't talk to me and I wouldn't have to sit, try to lie and say, I'm going to therapy. Because I was like, I, I didn't think anybody would, would understand. I didn't think people would respect me after that. I thought people would just write me off. And I it's gotten better. But I remember feeling like that. And that feeling that I had inside when I dove behind that car and was looking over to like, are they still there? And there are days that I still have that feeling when I'm dealing with a mental health thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I wish I don't I wouldn't wish it on anybody. And I don't wish it on myself anymore either. I wish that it would change. Our generation specifically has opened things up a little bit. Yeah. And Gen Z has really done a great job of that. But we really run the gamut of perception because where we came from, where we are today. We just, as a society, we need to educate ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And we need to make it more accessible. Yeah. That's a big part of it. Because again, it still kind of feels like you can't access it. Mm -hmm. Do some research. Yeah. Talk about your feelings. Yeah. I mean, look, we're not doctors. This is in no way medical advice. Um, You know, we're not experts at all. But just as people who have dealt with a a wide range of mental health perception, mental health issues of our own, et cetera, and done some, you know, Google ass research. I mean, this is not just a dot. This is not a dot com. So like, this is like scholarly. Hell yeah. Yeah. We really tried to find some really good information. Yeah. Courtney did great on that. Um, 
I like statistics. I like looking for like I think it helps. statistics. I think it helps. It puts things in perspective. Yeah, we hope this like opened up the conversation a little bit. Like when you can see it by the numbers, maybe that can help you kind of find a way to trickle it down to real life information and real life perspective. So, you know, we're not doctors. We're not trying to be doctors. If you're, but if you're dealing with anything and you can get some help, please do. And I if, think everyone could, be, even if you're not struggling with specific mental health things. Yeah. Or if you I think don't know. if, yeah, I think everyone would benefit from therapy at some point in their life. I agree. I really do. I think that it's something that should be standard. And then if you need something that's a little bit more specific, because it turns out that the feelings you're feeling are because of your mental health or because of a condition, unclench. That's okay. That doesn't have to be the worst thing in the world. Um, you know, a diagnosis of something, mental illness doesn't, doesn't have to change who you are as a person. It just can help you maybe learn how to get through life a little easier. You need somebody to talk to find them. So thanks for listening. I guess this is a, I thanks for, thanks for doing all your research. You're welcome. It was very helpful. There's so much, there's so much more. And honestly, if, um, if we want to put those links out there, cause it's a lot of good information. Yeah. We'll, we'll share some stuff that we, we use just to, you know, guide the conversation. And then obviously there's way more out there. So, you know, if you're interested, you should keep researching. And if you want us to talk more about this kind of stuff, let us know. Yeah. We'll talk about it. I'll do some research. Yeah, you will. I don't mind it. You do, you're good at it. I don't, I'm not going to write a paper, but I'll do some research. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll see y'all next time. Okay. Bye.